When we see a glass that is partially filled with water, the optimist can see that it's half full. And the pessimist may see that it's half empty. What does a yogi see? Actually, if we see clearly what is in front of us, we don't need to be optimistic or pessimistic. We can just see this is the way it is for me, for now. And this is an attitude that we want to check frequently in our practice. Some of us will hear the talk on the defilements and the hindrances And that seems to be the lens through which we see our practice. And all we see, or what we see the majority of the time, is the defilements and how often they arise and how tenacious they are and how much of a struggle it seems to be to to deal with them. And then others of us will hear the talk on the seven factors of awakening, the calm, the concentration, the equanimity, the joy, And we see that in our practice. Actually, we don't want to be too identified with either. But we want to have an open, receptive attention to recognize the defilements and the hindrances when they appear, but also to recognize the periods of time when there are wholesome factors in the mind when there is clarity, when there is uh, some stability of mind, when there is some delight in the practice or some non-reactivity towards what is being seen or felt. And while the hindrances and defilements may seem to be tenacious and repetitive and the wholesome factors seem to be very infrequent and minimal, That's just a momentary perception. Our efforts are to reverse that relationship, to gradually cultivate the wholesome states of mind, beginning with and maybe primarily with mindfulness, remembering to recognize the present moment. And with the development of mindfulness and the continuity of mindfulness, there's a certain stability of mind, a continuity that comes allowing us to see more of what's going on. And even over the course of the few days of this retreat, four or five days, already you can see what and begin to sense what momentum is really about. It's not quite the same struggle today as it was the first day. That's because we're more familiar, we have more skill with the practice, we're a little more balanced, less reactive. This is the direction of practice. It's not as if suddenly and somehow, magically, the defilements or the hindrances no no longer appear maybe for a short period of time, but their momentum or the habit of them is so deeply conditioned that they keep arising. And we have to be persevering in our effort to catch them as 
frequently as they arise and as quickly as we can. But in that process, we don't need to hurry. We don't need to judge ourselves. We don't need to doubt the practice. We just have to steadily be present. Remember to recognize the present moment. Have, have some trust or have some faith in the simplicity of the practice. It really doesn't need to be very complicated. Our minds are complicated, but the practice is simple. So today, see how it is for you when your practice is just simply noticing the way it is for now. And when your practice seems to be a struggle to figure it out or to get rid of something or to try to make something happen. And whenever you feel a sense of struggle in your practice, of course, notice the struggle. That's what's called your attention. And then see if you can adjust your attitude of mind, letting go of that need to struggle with the way things are and just drop into recognizing, oh, this is the way it is, really. Whenever you feel a sense of struggle or feeling ill at ease or dissatisfied with your experience, look to see which defilements, hindrances are active in the mind and see if you can let them go. Be willing and persevere with whatever arises moment by moment. This is the way to develop the momentum in practice.
So I ended the <coughs> I ended the sitting a little early to <coughs> I just want to speak about the interviews over the next uh, three days <coughs> um, due to the numbers of you and the numbers of us and the time available to do check-ins we'll be seeing all of you one more time either today tomorrow or Saturday for <coughs> what is scheduled to be 15 minutes but it takes a minute or two to walk in and it takes a minute to walk out so you have 10 minutes to talk or five to talk and five to listen so <coughs> Uh, plan accordingly. Yeah. And um, again, if you can keep your um, report to how your practice is going, what you're experiencing in your practice, then we can be most effective or more effective in offering you something of value, we think. So, do you have any questions about practice or comments about practice? The, the thought was what? It produced a lot of pain. Pain. Mm-hmm. Like emotional. Emotional pain. And so I was trying to open up to that and feel into it. Um, and it was so painful. <coughs> I stopped. And I thought, why am I doing this? <laughs> and, um, and so ever since I've you kind of what? Blanked out. Blanked out. Like I don't remember um, <coughs> why it's a useful thing to do. Uh, so the comment is, yesterday she had a thought. It brought up a lot of emotional pain. She started to kind of go into it or explore it, and it was just too painful. So then she asked herself, why am I doing this, right? And I guess you stopped doing it. Kind of. Yeah. yeah, and then I started thinking a lot about it. Yeah, and, and then. I was thinking, um, well, a lot of other other reactions ensue, sure. like anger. Sure. So there was some reflections and just trying to make the connections of where the pain is coming from and just why am I doing this and <clears throat> generally if you have a choice to experience thinking and the pain that comes with it or not, choose not. Really. Sometimes we can see here comes a thought. It can be a thought of a memory, it can be a thought of a person, a thought of an incident, and We know that if we allow ourselves to kind of hang out with this thought or this memory or this incident or this person in our mind, it's going to provoke some, you know, it's going to stir stuff up. It's not necessary to to go there. If you have the choice to say, not now, not out of aversion, out of wisdom, out of understanding, this is... 
thinking about it and just kind of rummaging around in the cesspool of the, of the story, not, not particularly helpful. We have talked about when the mind is obsessing and repeatedly kind of reverting or going to uh, a, a scenario in the past or something that just keeps bringing up. It's a painful memory that just comes up and obsesses the mind. Then it's there. You don't have a choice of whether to take a look at it or not. It's there. It's in your face. It's in your mind. Then you have to look at it. <clears throat> and just, just as you were doing, then I would say, okay, well, what's going on here? Well, there's remembering going on. What's the flavor of the memory? Anger. Okay, let me feel this. What's, where, am I, where do I feel this? How do I feel this? And there's the story. And there's the thoughts of revenge. And there's the sensations in the body. And then as you're kind of observing the presenting material of, the, of that particular anger, other incidences of anger might arise in other stories. And so you get to see the whole psychophysical composition of you know, your anger reaction. Okay, so then you're there, you're observing it, but you, you have the mindfulness to observe it. You're not just angry and being angry and inflaming your anger more. As long as you have the awareness to recognize, oh, this is anger, or this is remembering, and this is the anger that comes with it. This is the pain that comes, that precipitated, that gave rise to the anger. This is the, this is the story of it. These are the sensations in the body. Then you can kind of, what I call, pixelate the, pixelate the presenting problem. You know, you've got this thing presenting itself as a psychophysical knot, a big, it's a, it's a drama in your life in some way. Then you can just kind of just observe it on a moment-to-moment basis and it'll pixelate. It's like mindfulness pouring solvent on the glue of identification. Right? You're identified with this memory. You're identified with this pain. You're identified with this anger. You're identified with these sensations. And you pour a little mindfulness on it and it dissolves the identification. And what's left? Well, there's a memory and there's sensations and there's you know the anger, but you're not identified with it. More better. Okay. Lorna, did you have a question? Because I've seen it many, many times. I belong to another 
spiritual sort of sangha, and I've seen people reach a certain point and get satisfied, and they stay in their lives, they're all right, but there's no, I don't know, the judging. But so, how does one tell if one is in the parking? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. How do we do that? <laughs> it's it, you know, Lorna. That is that is a perennial question that all of us need to ask ourselves frequently. Am I in a spiritual parking lot? Because there are times in practice where we see, wow, we're really on an upward. We're on an upward trajectory, and we know because it's hard. It's hard, you know, and you're really uncovering more, and you're dealing with more, and it's there's. It's not necessarily a struggle. It's just that you know, it's it's pretty engaging. And then there are times when it's smoother. And sometimes the smoothness is just maturing equanimity, which is great. That's not a parking lot. That's maturing equanimity. But it can feel pretty, hey, whew, okay. <laughs> We've reached a kind of a plateau and we're kind of consolidating the gains that have been made to get there. The interesting thing about the, 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 that plateau or the kind of the consolidating the gains and, and kind of um, seeing the increasing in equanimity or just feeling just a little more less reactive, a little more balanced, a little more continuous, a little more stable, that's the recipe for the mind opening a little bit further. And of course, when the mind opens a little bit further, all the demons come flying out again and you've got another uphill trudge, you know, and more work to do. And all the hindrances appear as if, God, I've gone backwards. You haven't gone backwards, you're taking off from a plateau again. <clears throat> and that's, that's the cycle. You know, effortful time, consolidating time, smooth equanimity time opening of the mind, more work. A parking lot, well, let's just say it's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. But just ask yourself, really, am I being, am I, you know, making my best effort? You know, and sometimes we'll recognize, you know what, I'm coasting. I'm cruising. We don't have to get down on it. We just have to recognize, or get down on ourselves. We just have to recognize, you know what, there's some, there's some complacency. Complacency is very different than equanimity, very different than contentment. But they're awful close. So we have to really look carefully. I can look back, and it's, you know, hindsight is so clear. <laughs> I can look back and see Long periods, I wouldn't call it stuckness, but drifting more in complacency than contentment or you know, genuine contentment or equanimity. There's a fair amount of equanimity and that makes it comfortable enough. But I'll have to think about that. It's a good question. I'll have to think about that. But I do know that you know, if you hang around Dharma folks and, and keep going to retreats, even if you think you've 
got enough, something is sure to pop your bubble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm having an interesting experience in that I definitely feel my calmer. I'm sitting with more ease and feeling way more mindful of body sensations and so forth. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I, the aversion in my mind is just huge. In my sure. experience, my, the, you know, the running commentary in my head just feels super, super loud. So it's, on the one hand, I'm calmer and tranquil and so forth. At the other time, I feel like I'm straining with the aversion to my experience. Sure. And part of me is just sort of like, or actually all of me is like, I, how do I find, you know, I'm like looking for relief, um, you know, trying to sort of, okay, relax with this, this is how it is right now, but that seems to, it seems to just fill this like, it's like, I don't know, it's all in my mind's like, ooh, more space, and let me fill it with more. See if you can hold this much, and I... Sure. Um, I'm wondering if you could speak to that. So the comment is about, you know, now in the retreat, feeling more calm, more clarity, more st stability, less reactivity, and yet the experience of the aversion, the, the volume of the chatter in the mind is even louder, and the experience of the aversion is even more intense, or it just seems to fill all available space. Yeah, I've noticed that. <laughs> partly, partly it's a result of we're just clearer. We're, you know, we, we, ha we have cleared the mind out. We've kind of cleared some of the dust out of the mind, some of the chatter, and we're seeing things more clearly. And in addition, because of the continuity of the mindfulness, the mind is more collected. And the, mi the collected mind is more powerful. It's like looking at things through a magnifying lens. You see a lot more detail. Things are really up close and personal. They're just not at an arm's distance. They're right there. And so, you know, pleasant is more pleasant. Unpleasant is, seems to be more unpleasant. Volume seems to be louder, you know, and so everything gets magnified just because of the clarity and the continuity or collectedness of the mind. So there's, there's that piece going on. The other piece is that as we strengthen the mindfulness by just being more continually mindful, our usual defenses, and this is a psychological term, our usual defenses of, you know, counterspin, you know, kind of uh, disbelief or denial or minimizing or just kind of, you know, kind of blowing it off or whatever, they don't work anymore. We just see through the defense, our usual defenses, and it's all pretty raw. It's all pretty naked. And yes, it's intense. But when you really see, when you really feel how painful some of these states of mind are that we live with pretty continuously, then you're going to do something about it. You're going you're to say, wait a minute, this is not acceptable. I just don't want to live with this level of fear, anxiety, shame, 
anger, whatever. I just don't want to. And we'll do something about it. Until we really feel how painful, I won't say that's the only way, but when we feel how painful something is, we'll do something about it. If we still think, oh, this is tolerable, I can accept, this isn't so bad, I can, I, I, I can live with this, you need to practice a little more. <laughs> and because eventually, the pain is caused by holding on to something. What are we holding on to? Well, it's hard to see often. But if you stay with the pain, you know, because you see it so clearly, if you stay with it and you just, you're with the presenting evidence of pain and stories and chatter and judgments and all that stuff, you'll see. You'll, you'll get to the source, of the, the source of the suffering. And when you get to the source of the suffering, then you can let go, either intentionally or through continuity of mindfulness or through development of insight. Those are the ways that we let go in this practice. And so some things you can let go of intentionally when you see them, just oh, let that go. And some things you can't. Then you have to develop continuity of mindfulness. And the continuity of mindfulness can th- keep things at bay long enough until or until uh, insight, really deep understanding of this arises. And then the insight, the new way of understanding something, changes your relationship to it, resulting in letting go. So you're, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. Uh, I can understand your wish to, where's the relief? You know, where's the relief? Um, next retreat. <laughs> no, no. There, there, I'm, even, 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 with, even with the continuity and the intensity, you'll see. There are moments of a kind of joy, a kind of like, yes, this is real. This is it. There's something, there's something really real about you know, not spinning your story in your favor, just seeing this is the way it is. And it's hard. It's hard. I won't minimize it. Um, if it becomes paralyzing, like you just, as Kamala said, bend over, put on your socks, <laughs> and pull them up. <laughs> or get a cup of tea and go outside and listen to the birds and drink your tea. Give yourself that kind of break. It's not a break because you can't turn your mindfulness off, but it's kind of like that. So I want to end the now so we can have some time to get to our rooms and get to see the first person that's supposed to show up. Um, again, you know, we're, we're just past the midpoint of the retreat. Continuity is the key. Just keep, just keep nudging along. Just keep noticing next moment, next moment, next moment. Uh, and be careful about making a big agenda about your practice. You don't have to do, get too, you don't have to proliferate a whole lot of activity about your practice. You just have to keep it really simple. Just notice what's going on as moment, uh, moment by moment, as continuously as you can. So, and if nothing seems to be happening, just you wait. <laughs> be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Okay, have a great day. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.